0: Let's go.
1: What is going on everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode, as always, is sponsored by Tick Pick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for you fine folks and my friends at the B-Dub, and joining me tonight, making yet another triumphant turn to what I like to refer as his podcast as well, uh, KP from NinersNation.com, also I call that a beast because KP likes the beast from the X-Men, so this, this has been your breakdown, but KP, hello, welcome back, how are you?
2: I'm great, man, thanks for having me, um,
1: some footballs to talk about, right? I know. And just to uh to provide a little context, uh, I mean it worked out perfectly. So this weekend, uh decided to do something for my birthday, I guess, once every 10 years. I'm not a big birthday guy, I just don't really care. And uh went to Vegas, did my best to watch the game amidst 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 the casinos and the, the food and stuff like that. I was watching the play by play, trying to trying to look up at the TV as often as I could. Um and I knew that because my firsthand knowledge of the game was not as strong as it usually is, there was just one man to call. And I said, KP, the 49ers just lost to the Cardinals in an extremely disappointing way. Would you like to come on and talk about it? <laughs> and and I received a reply in all capital letters that, that confirmed his appearance. So welcome back, bro.
2: Yeah, it's good to be back, man. I uh, love talking football with you. I think we have a, obviously. Don't have have a positive
1: conversation (laughs) to have.
2: (laughs) Let's get right to it.
1: No Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, no A.J. Green, no J.J. Watt, no problem. No problem for the now 8-1 Arizona Cardinals led by former Texas Tech coach Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I mean, for lack of a better way of, I mean, they just came into Levi's stadium down their four best players, four or five, somewhere in there, you know, definitely some of their better players on the team, including their, somebody that could be in the running for uh, MVP or at least offensive MBT uh, in Kyler Murray. And they just whipped the 49ers ass. They made him look like a bitch, but I don't got anywhere to say it. I, what were your thoughts, man? Like just swing from the cuff. What, What, I mean, what are you thinking?
2: I thought that the Cardinals were obnoxiously physical and the 49ers were not ready for that. And it showed, and it showed early. I don't know if the 49ers thought that they could just roll the ball out because they have talented players and the Cardinals would roll over because they had Colt McCoy. But, man, they they just didn't look ready. They didn't look prepared. And I think once the Cardinals, you know, didn't roll over, they were like, oh, crap, what do we do now? And they just were never able to recover. So didn't get going, as usual, on offense. Did um, the defensive – the tackling was poor. I mean, I can just go down the list on and on and on. But there was a lot wrong, and we've seen a lot wrong in multiple games this year. So, like, Mm -hmm. what is going on? What is the plan here?
1: there really wasn't a single aspect of the 49ers that was good enough in this game. Like a lot of times you can kind of point to one side of the ball or the other that really kind of collapsed and let things get out of hand. But I can't do that here. Like everybody was just so bad. And I know that, you know, technically per the gospel at pro football focus, Jimmy Garoppolo has been really good over the past couple of weeks, which he's been decent. I w I wouldn't go as, you know, I guess you could say he hasn't been one of the higher pro you know if there's a list of problems on the 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo might not be that high on the list uh at least over the last couple weeks but at the same time like it's just it's still not great and it's still not enough to get this team to where it needs to be they're still getting their ass kicked by a team with a backup quarterback and backup wide receivers and you know, without their stud defensive line. It's just, it is crazy to talk about at this point. And it's, it sucks because nobody wants to get on a podcast and just complain about the 49ers for right. 40 minutes. But, they, I mean, there are no positives to take from this team right now. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing okay. Brandon i kind of coming back. And then that's the end of the list. It, it it's just pretty mind-blowing right now. I spent all day, like, just trying to think, like, what is the problem? And I don't know what it is, and I don't even think Kyle Shanahan knows what it
2: is, and he's the guy at the top. Well, you can see during these post-game pressers that he doesn't have an answer. He doesn't know what to say. And it always comes back to, our, well, he said, I'm surprised. And... We had a great week of practice, or we mm-hmm. should have executed better. Um, it can't be the same thing over and over and over, man. Eventually you have to come up with the answers. And when you don't continually come up with these answers, it almost sounds like you don't have an answer to the same issues that have been going on. Like, um, we talked about we haven't t- even talked about the injuries yet. So he talked about the guys who are hurt. So Josh Norman, Drake or Patrick. And Tavon Wilson. So, three players in your secondary who are all over the age of 30, two of whom you signed off the street in September, are now hurt. Of course. Like, why is this a surprise? Um, If only you had drafted two rookie cornerbacks who could help you instead.
1: Well, they did draft some, but not sure about the can-help-you-instead part.
2: Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Um, But... You have to be willing to go through the bumps that rookies are inevitably going to have. Like that's that was always gonna be a thing. I don't know if he has well, I don't know how he feels about you know the players on the team, but it's pretty evident that he has a plan. He's going to stick to it no matter what happens around him, no matter how much changes around him. And I think that's probably the biggest issue with Kyle Shannon right now is that he's not willing to pivot off of his initial stance on Whatever there is as a player, um, whatever situation that, that that he once thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it seems funny to say that things aren't going the way he planned. You know, it, it, that that is that much is obvious. No, and of course, Kyle Shanahan didn't plan to be you know three and five. Nobody really planned on this. I before the season thought this round, this roster had just as much talent as the year they went to the Super Bowl. I didn't have any reason to expect that things weren't going to go, you know, at least to some extent in the 49ers' favor. It just, whether it's more injuries or just a complete lack of control from Kyle Shanahan, maybe that's my best way of putting it, is it just seems like he is not in control of anything. The way the 49ers are playing on offense, which is his wheelhouse, he's not in control. The way the 49ers are playing on defense, although, you know, they have a defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryden, Ryan's, but that still falls underneath Kyle Shanahan's purview and he is not in control. And, you know, when you're teaching your 30 year old corners how to stay on top and not commit pass interference, you are purely reacting on a weekly basis to the things you did wrong. And yes. it, there's, there's no proactive. It doesn't seem now. Obviously, the, these coaches put in an insane amount of hours to prepare for an opponent, but it just seems like they they're they're not they're they're not doing it the right way. They don't know what they're doing, or, or they're going about it the wrong way. Because I, even with all of the injuries, this is still a pretty talented football team. They're still pretty good with good football players that you can. That the 49ers should still be able to win with, or at the very least, play a respectable game of football. And I'm not even sure we're getting that. It's just this, It just looks so
2: unprepared. And how did we get here? Right. No, they, they definitely look unprepared. But you talk about the talent, and because of that, because of good players everywhere, or good players in a lot of places, they're going to remain competitive essentially against anybody they play whether it's the rams whether it's the vikings whoever the teams that are left on their schedule like they're going to be they're going to play close games against them i mean it's just a matter of will they execute will they continue to fumble will player x miss this tackle or will player z commit this penalty like that's what's really killing them and again it all comes down to the root it all comes down back to kyle shanahan but um when will the mistakes end and I don't. I don't know when they will because we keep seeing them every game. Right.
1: Every. I think every week we kind of, especially after their win over the Bears, we kind of. And I don't understand why a win over the Bears would prompt anyone to think this, but it, oh. it's like we're waiting for the Forty ers to turn the corner we think is there, because of the shape the roster is in and, and our expectations and. You know, we, we figured that this team with a healthy quarterback would be at least somewhat of a reflection of what they were during their Super Bowl run, and that couldn't be further from the case. Like, this team would get absolutely stomped by the 49ers in 2019, and I don't know why. I don't – there is some – you know, Robert Sala moved on, got it. Uh, Michael LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, right? Is that the, Which one's the coach on the Packers? Uh, Matt Matt, okay, Mike LaFleur moved on. And and I know he had a big role in the offense, but everybody always kind of knew slash assumed that the offense was Kyle Shanahan, which it probably was. So you lose Robert Sala, you lose Mike LaFleur, you, you've you obviously lost some coaches, and you know that, there will come a, 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 at least a transition period. But at the same time, for the most part, they kept guys in-house. The defensive coordinator promoted was from within the building and D'Amico Ryans, who was coaching the linebackers. So it's just like – it just didn't seem like the 49ers were setting themselves up for this much turmoil, but here here we are. And I, to me – man, I don't even want to get – let's – first of all, we haven't even – I haven't even recorded uh, – you know, we haven't even talked about the game.
2: So let's get into the game and maybe Real we'll quick, get – before yeah, that, go, 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 I want to ask you a question. Kay. Would they have – wouldn't they have already turned the corner if they were going to turn this corner? Yeah. Against the bad the Colts. Teams. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> the teams that right. are not good against, against the, the, the good team with a backup quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would have thought so Un, unquestionably so, um, you know, and that's, I, I remember titling the podcast before the Colts that the, the 49ers need to get right against the Colts and and they got stomped by the Colts and the four, essentially what it comes down to is the 49ers have done nothing to convince us that they're a good team and the uh like the what's the the extenuating circumstances the 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 elements outside of Kyle Shanahan's control no longer apply it, you know that that's not where we are anymore sure there's injuries but a lot of these injuries kind of have a hint of well you were setting yourself up for that one you know especially at corner If you just go back and look at the games they've played so far. They throttled the Lions until they didn't, and they almost lost. Or at the very least, the Lions almost tied it up. They barely beat the Eagles, which is the best team they've beaten out of the two. You know, they they, they, probably their best game of the year was making it real against the Packers, who we know are a good football team. The 49ers could have very easily won that game. Uh, But they didn't, so move on. And you've got the Seahawks, who weren't great at the time. They lost to them. You've got the Cardinals under Trey Lance. At least they made that one competitive. They got stomped by the Colts. They barely beat the Bears. You know, at, that, at least that one had a little bit of an exclamation point on it at one point. And then they got throttled by the Cardinals with a backup quarterback. So the team has done nothing to say, hey, we're good. We've just gotten unlucky. They're just not good, and it's it's surprising me just as much as it seems to be surprising anybody else but the biggest kind of i don't know overarching point is i don't know the answer and i don't think Kyle does either yeah so what did, do you,
2: yeah that's go ahead what do you do from there something has to change right someone has to be held accountable and i'm not saying like fire everybody or pull the plug on this season do whatever but some whatever you're doing is not working so you have to find a way to make it work, and usually that is by benching this player, starting this player. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to look at it as a negative side. Where I'm all right, I'm going to bench this guy. Why not insert somebody who would give you energy? And that was supposed to be Talanoa Um, as we talked about a little bit before the podcast started. He did not do that anyway on Sunday. But I don't have those answers. <laughs> I'm not paid enough to have those answers. He is though, and that's another issue. Right, right, right. Well, all right. Well,
1: we're already fifteen minutes into the pod. Let me quickly get a let's quick quickly get a quick word in from our quickly quick 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 um, word in from our sponsor, and that way we can be unleashed, so to speak. We'll talk about the game and maybe kind of talk about the way forward as if we know what the way forward is. But um, in the meantime, um, at this point. I guess you could say, unfortunately, 49ers football is finally back. There's no need to exhaust yourself all over the internet to find the 49ers tickets that I know you're craving right now because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them... Guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, if you can find a better price on the same seats on another ticket site, Tick Pick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers are coming up to another, despite you know dropping the ball against the Cardinals, they still have a very important uh, divisional game coming up again on Monday night against the Los Angeles Slightly vulnerable Rams. We'll see. So if you want to be a part of that and maybe the 49ers first win at Levi's stadium since October of last year, then get over to dot slash gold today. Save 10 bucks on your first order of 49ers tickets. So again, that's dot slash gold today to save $10 on your first order. Get over there. Check it out. Go watch the 49ers beat the Rams. <laughs> I did my absolute best to keep that positive. You know, I don't know how many of you are out there, uh, looking for 49ers tickets, but TickPick.com is a place to go. If you are, um, so dude, all right, the game, the game, let's start. Let's split this up into two things. Cause you and I know we could both just talk about the state of this team for like a week, but let's, let's at least give the people our, our reaction to the game. I guess we can kind of, break down the offense kind of piece by piece and then we'll uh we'll do the same thing for the defense and then kind of just talk about I don't know what the hell might happen going forward but all right offense man let's start with with obviously the person that everybody usually wants to talk
2: about what do you think of the old uh of the old Jimmy so I had a chance to watch the offense back today and I was concentrating on the passing game just because I saw one of the Cardinals fans say Chandler Jones was owning Trent Williams, which couldn't be further from the truth. (laughs) Uh, I actually thought the offensive line played pretty well. Of course, you're going to remember the times where Jimmy was sacked. In my opinion, those sacks were on him. There were receivers open. He has a math problem. And by that, I mean, before the ball is snapped, he'll throw to the receiver side who has who's being guarded by three defenders when there are two receivers to that side as opposed to throwing it to the receivers who are two on two or where the 49ers have the numbers advantage or the matchup advantage and I think that killed them a lot in this game I also think he left a lot of yards on the field Uh, there was a couple to Brandon Ayuk there was one crossing route to Muhammad Sanu where he's scrambling he's you're running around and on the tv copy you're thinking oh man nobody's open but nope that is not true (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there was one play that I remember where they're they're running like a switch concept, a high-low concept where one receiver, the outside receiver runs five yards and in the inside receiver runs 10 yards and in. So we know that he has this check down mentality. Number two is coming open. And instead of throwing it to that deeper route, he's throwing it underneath. They get into third down, can't convert third down, have to punt, throw it to the deep guy, which we have seen the rookie quarterback do in his one start. And you move the chains, I did not think he played well compared to what I thought initially. um I thought again, I thought the sacks were on him, I thought he lost left a lot of yards on the field i to be fair, like he made some very good throws. the will route to Kittle, giving Ayuka a chance in the end zone, but those aren't really sustainable for him like that's not who he is, and that felt like more of a guy who was just you know trying to give his team a chance, knowing that they were down so much. And even the interception at the end of the game, like I don't really care about that, just because the game was over. But I thought too often during the game, when they still had a chance, there were some plays left on the field. Whether it was just you know not knowing where to go pre-snap or playing with anticipation that you know I, when and people I saw people talk about you know hey yes the highest graded PFF quarterback in the last two weeks <laughs> uh, well <laughs> one of those came against the Bears and this just wasn't a good game and. and when I say that, I'm I'm holding him to a standard where I expect like top twelve quarterback play from any NFL quarterback. And I feel like that's fair. That's not reaching. I'm not saying that he has to be um peak Patrick Mahomes, but I'm not expecting him to be this check down Charlie guy that that lead plays on the field. And I think what's what's most frustrating is when the first read isn't there. He goes to this guy who's just patting the ball, drops his eyes, and just kind of panics when there's really no reason to do that, where he has plenty of time to scan the field, go through your progressions, get the ball to the guy that the defense is allowing you to get the ball to, and it's just not happening, man. So um, I think it's time, and it probably should have been time. I don't think the Fort ers are going to make a change at quarterback until I, – I mean, they would probably have to lose the Jags in Kyle Shanahan's mind to make – uh-huh. Uh, quarterback change, but I I'm expecting more out of Jimmy, and it's just not happening.
1: Yeah, and I'm not I'm not going to add too much to this conversation. Like I said, I didn't watch the game close enough to just really have my own thing. I did watch through obviously the bigger plays um, from both teams, and I I just don't want to waste you guys' time with an analysis that just isn't really rooted uh, as much as it should be. But and the one thing I will say that you did mention is the further this game gets out of reach, the sooner that Trey Lance should come in. Uh, if Kyle Shanahan is is as stubborn as we think he is, then maybe that won't happen. But at the same time, you have to look beyond this season. The 49ers are not a playoff team. They're not. Unless things just dramatically change and some light bulb goes off at, in Santa Clara and this team gets it together, they're not a playoff team. So you need to get your third overall pick that you surrendered three first-round picks for onto the field, and that way maybe 2022 one isn't his first real start to a season, and two doesn't look like complete ass. So <laughs> you're you can't you can't give up that much for a player, and then find reasons now they're invalid reasons to not play him. Like it's just weird at this point. The Bears kind of got the hint. And although Justin Fields is taking it in the chin, he's learning some valuable lessons, and it's going to make him better next year. No doubt. No doubt. Which rookie and, quarterback
2: hasn't taken it in the chin? Right. And not just this year, any year ever. There, there Mac are...
1: Jones is out here putting it on premier pass rushers through <laughs>
2: some dirty plays. <laughs> Mac Jones is out here putting guys in ankle locks. <laughs> right, dude. He's taking them down, man. But just think about any year ever. Like these quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. It is on you to put a team around him that is good enough to overcome those mistakes, and it is on you as a coach to coach him out of those mistakes or coach him through those mistakes. Like I don't even the good quarterbacks that have been here for a while still make hella mistakes. Yeah. So like, don't be afraid of that shit. It's it should be more about what are they bringing, what are they adding to your offense, not so much as. just worried about what they aren't going to do. So that's what that's what kills me, man. Is just the the thought process with not just not Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, um, but the entire rookie class, man. It's what what is the direction? Yeah, yeah. And that
1: can lead us to a whole nother conversation. Let's let's keep rolling because I don't know the answer to that, man. And, and you, all you have to do is look at their rookie class and say, like, what were we thinking here? Why aren't any of these guys playing? So, and that maybe that's maybe that's a good episode for later this week. Uh, if you're free, we'll see. Uh, and if you're allowed to have fun outside of, never mind. Um, (laughs) hey, hey, all right. So let's jump over to running backs, which there, this will be a short conversation. The there wasn't a whole lot there. Well, I mean, what more did you see than I saw because they just. Didn't really give themselves the opportunity for anything to really flourish on the ground, both by execution, what the Cardinals were throwing at them, and by the way the game played out. So I, I don't know if there's any more to it than that. What did you see, man? Trey Sermon,
2: DNP, dead. Um, he's <laughs> he's never gonna play. Apparently, uh, they had Jeff Wilson active after practicing. Wednesday, Thursday, what? Friday. Okay, what the hell is that? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the first time since he was injured before training camp started in July over the running back who you traded up for. And today, Shanahan said they didn't trade up for Trey Sermon to be a starter. What? Uh, I don't what? know. What? Okay. I
1: don't know. But about I, hear, <laughs> I did hear that, and I was like, huh? Like, I don't care if Raheem Mostert is healthy right now. You would still be getting Trey Sermon some snaps. Right. Like, that's just
2: the logical thing to do, right, when you make that type of investment in a running back. If you trade up for a player, period, at any point, that means you're interested in his services right away. That's what In my (laughs) mind, that's what a trade means. But as for the game, yeah, 11 rushing attempts. Kyle Shanahan talked about what the Cardinals were trying to do, and he said that they were putting six guys at the line of scrimmage, which is true. And part of the reason – and that's part of the reason why they weren't running the ball. So on those rushing attempts, I remember one specifically where, like, there was plenty of – there was a giant rushing lane for Elijah Mitchell to run through. And I think he had a couple of those. I imagine the game script and, you know, just them being down didn't allow – or in his mind, they, he didn't think that they could run the ball. But in the second quarter, 17-7 or 17 nothing, as you're driving in the two-minute drill – you're running the ball. So you can continue to do that as the game is going on. Even 31-7, at any point in the game, by the way that your offense is set up, you can just use a running play to get positive yards. That way it's not third and 12. That's not That way it's not you know third and forever. You make it third and manageable, and yes, the clock is going to run. But in my mind, you are using hurry up, which he said that they used because they wanted to keep the Cardinals in those six-man fronts. Uh, there's plenty of ways to get Mitchell the ball, but they used on one where he ran like a little swing right up the sideline. Why not do that more if you know if you're if you're not going to run the ball, but you have to find ways to get his the ball in his hands. And I don't think Shannon did a good job of that.
1: No, and to me, it goes even deeper than that when it comes to the 49ers philosophically. Like they are not a team that just slings it through the air. Their their offense is like predicated on running the ball. You know, the Shanahan at his best is just play actioning the shit out of the linebackers and and getting these wide open crossers. You know, in between you know safeties and it just seems so disjointed from what we know he does. And and, and like, dude, I don't care if you're gaining two yards a carry, keep running the ball. One defenses hate it. Like it's exhausting to just continually defend the run. And at least that will give the rest of your offense somewhat of some credibility, you know, like if you're not going to run the ball, if you're going to run the ball eight times with your lead running back, then no one's going to give a shit about anything, but making sure that you can't run the ball and we're, they're not that worried about Jimmy Garoppolo anyway. So it's just, it's just weird. It, it, it seems like he's Shanahan's just doing a very good job of getting away from himself and what made the 49ers offense. Great. But I don't want to ramble on too much about that. A little more interesting receivers. What'd you see from the receivers? I mean, you said you got a chance to watch the offense back, so at least you, you had a chance to watch those guys again. What'd you uh, – and we'll, we'll we'll lump George Kittle into this. Um, sure. You know, have pass catchers. We'll say that.
2: So, <laughs> Kittle, Kittle played well. IU played well. Debo played well. There are still plays here and there where I think that they all could do a better job of creating separation, like – um, there's one route near the red zone where Kittle just stumbles and he's on the ground. And that could just be of just him not being in the, you know, not playing for a few games. But in the grand scheme of things, I thought they were really good. I think Brandon Ayuk looks like Brandon Ayuk again, which is great to see. Like that is very encouraging, I imagine, for the coaching staff too. Well, actually, just to cut you ahead. off
1: real quick, because you and I have never gotten to talk about this. It seemed over the past couple of weeks that it became fairly like a consensus among both the coaches and the players that Brandon Ayuk was fucking up.
2: And- 100%, and he owned it too.
1: Right, and he did. He seemed a little, I talked about this, he seemed a little hesitant. He seemed a little stubborn, but it's almost like he had to fight himself briefly in that press conference to just say, yeah, you know, like, uh, we had some conversations. We had words. And, and What was I thought was interesting about the whole thing was even the players were like, you know, yeah, he could go harder. And, all you know, that was all like right at all at the same time of, of him seemingly turning the corner. I just thought that was interesting that, you know, at, at least from a locker room that might be struggling with veteran leadership, you saw some players uh, holding each other accountable. And then Brandon and I you going up to it and just making some change, hopefully.
2: He made some incredibly tough catches on Sunday. Some catches that we know how we were hyping him up before the season, like he was gonna be this god. And the type of performances against the Cardinals. Guilty number one, like you know, like I was dude. He was uh, Oh, when I say we, I mean, yeah, for sure me. Like I'm completely owning that that I thought. He was was my bold prediction. He I thought he was gonna have the type of season that Debo is having right now. Like I thought he was gonna be that special. For sure. But you see why. Because he's jumping in the end zone over two guys and making a catch. He's holding on to the ball after being hit around like a pinball and still making these tough catches, man. it's He's an impressive player. That fumble, ooh, that just sums up how the game was going to go, how the season has gone. <laughs> um, he gets up. He's covering the ball up with two hands, and it still comes out, man. Like, what, what do you want him to do there? Like, as a coach, when you come off, what do you say? Next time – cover the ball with two hands. Coach I did. Well, uh, well like there's nothing that you can do in that situation. So, um it's just again like bad luck. It and unfortunately for the 49ers, it, the bad luck has been t- happening way too much for them.
1: Well, and and George Kittle was the other fumble and his fumble was in the middle of hurdling a player and like, you know, making a play, you know, a cool play in a in a split second before he could even touch the ground turned into an embarrassing play, you know, and it, and you just saw his reaction after the play he just kind of he got up onto his knees and just kind of like looked down like you know it's tough to put obviously it's on him but it was just such a weird circumstance both of the 49ers fumbles uh as detrimental to their, as they were were just so weird like it's just not your normal fumble not your normal like ball security issue thing uh it was just a they were a weird couple of plays and obviously attributed to the loss i'm not going to say they're the reason they lost but because you can fumble contrary to popular belief you can fumble the football and still win the football game if you play respectably uh you know but fumbling twice as you were i said butt fumble there did you see it did you hear yes that? I, I didn't even mean to but i caught myself <laughs> both of those fumbles were like as the team was moving towards scoring so definitely some momentum killers there and I'm a very firm believer in momentum and and how it affects the game so who knows how the game would have gone if those fumbles wouldn't have happened but bad all around but good to see the ball getting spread around you know Elijah you just run through the thing Kyle you two targets Elijah Mitchell five deep or excuse me catches um Debo Samuel five Brandon Ayuk six George Kittle six that's the way this should be you know and Maybe a little bit less because the 49ers should be running the ball more than that. But it was good to see things get spread around and everybody kind of have a say in in, in what the ball was doing. So
2: Mohamed Sanu out with a knee nice sprain. I would rather give his usage and targets to use check than Mohamed Sanu like before he was hurt. But now for sure give the ball at number 44. He is a very good one-on-one player. I understand that he's a fullback. I understand that you don't want to run your offense through a fullback. But just on the one catch he had for a first down, he's lined up as a tight end. He's matched up with, you know, a guy, whether it's linebacker, whether it's safety. It's a defender that he can beat. And they need guys who can get open. And he's proven time and time again that Juszczyk is one of those Well, guys he just
1: has that edge, man. Like, he he wins, you know. He finds a way Best to do way the to damn play thing. It. You know, he, he, and he's... He's like one of their best players on the team. It seems like from an uneducated standpoint, I mean, the 49ers aren't good, but Kyle Juszczyk is is as good as he's ever been. You know, whether it's quite good, whether it's catching the ball, blocking it up. I mean, he's a decent runner in short yardage situations. He just does so much, man. And anytime I feel like he's becoming one of those players or has been, you know, that corny line from John Lynch. You know, he's an offensive weapon. so it, <laughs> and, he, and he really is, though. And, and is. I do think – I'm with you, man. I think they should use him more often. But uh, I guess the last little group that we should touch on before we shuffle over to the defense is the offensive line, which I don't know.
2: <laughs> what did you see, man? So, man, it, it sucks that Mike McGlinchey went down because he was having a, a really good season. Like he was playing very well. He was playing better than I've ever seen him play. And I remember watching him back in Notre Dame. Like This was peak Mike McGlinchey, but now all that goes down to the drain. And who knows if he's ever going to be the same player after a quad injury. Trent Williams, good. Lakin Thompson, fine. Alex Mick, Alex Mick. Alex Mack, eh. Daniel Brunskill, no. No. Tom Tom Compton, please no. So... (laughs) They're going to have to make a decision on what to do at right tackle. You would think it would be Jalen Moore just because Ricky hasn't played right tackle for you. Has played in college, though. So it's not like this is a brand new position. It will take some time to get used to. He's going to have to work through some lumps that all rookies go through at every position. But I think that it makes the most sense it would be – you wouldn't have to shuffle around, you know, multiple spots. So instead of moving Brunskill from right guard to right tackle and now you have to play Aaron Banks at right guard, you just leave Brunskill there if that is the case and put more at right tackle. My question to you is, do you think the 49ers are in a position to go rookie right guard, rookie right tackle?
1: Uh, No, not really. Not really. I mean – at the same time, like, I say that, and it, it just depends, man. I mean, Daniel Brunskill hasn't been good. Mike McGlinchey's been good. So, I guess they could, because what you're looking at is, no matter what, you have to replace Mike McGlinchey. He just suffered a season-ending quad tear, which is brutal, by the way. If I know that, you know, everybody kind of thinks is like torn Achilles, torn ECL is like the brutal injuries. A torn quad... Might be worse, like that is just such a massive muscle that you're tearing. Look up if anybody listening to this, if you don't watch wrestling, look up Triple H quad tear. Mm. Um, there is a literally a video where you can see where he tears his quad and you can see his quad muscle roll up his leg because it snaps and then all that tension just rant and it's brutal, man. And it took him a long time to come back. So, that is no like. Small injury. That's a big time injury. Um, but anyways, can we, wait, can we
2: is- talk about that real quick? And just how serious it is, like the timetable. So the complete recovery time takes about four months, and most repairs are usually healed within six months. And I read on orthoinfo.org, which is uh-huh. <laughs> it has to be true. It's on the internet. Many patients report that they require 12 months before they reached all their goals. Many patients are not playing in the NFL. Right. There's no guarantee that he's ready to go by the start of next season, which means, as you said, you have to plan for another right tackle, which is probably why you see what you have in a guy like Jalen Moore at right tackle now. Right. And, I mean, do
1: you, uh, do you, uh, do you think that – what do you think the deal is with Aaron Banks? Like, do you think he's ready to play? And Like, is there something else there? He's obviously the candidate to come in at right guard or should be if if he's not better than what you've been getting from Daniel Brunskill which I'm assuming the team obviously thinks he's not cuz Daniel Brunskill's in there but not only is he not in for Daniel Brunskill but he's not even active he's not even the next man up behind him so That's as much as I'd want to yeah right as much as I want to see him develop and and I do think that that more should be the replacement for McGlinchey um I don't have a problem with doing the two right tackle things. It's just like, how bad is Aaron Banks right now? And why is the team? Obviously there's, you know, with roster politics, the team would want Aaron Banks to at least be active and be a backup so that they can look like their draft pick is developing into something and has a place on this team, but they haven't even gone that far. He's been just straight up inactive. So I don't know what's going on there. I want to say, sure, put him in there along with, more but that's tough. I I just don't even know what to expect from that guy because we haven't seen a whole lot going all the way back to the off season. I think he only played one preseason game and had like a 0.0, 0 from PFF because he was so bad oh, and then and was I think awful. and then I think he
2: got injured and that was it, right? He uh during training camp he did not look great. Like he did not look like a player that was ready to play, especially in this game. But again, Look at his body type. Look at the, what they asked their linemen to do. Their linemen have to do a lot of running, a lot of lateral movement, and that just does not fit with the type of player Aaron Banks is. So Kyle Shannon said today that I think he had a couple of good weeks here, his best two weeks lately, and he's starting to push him a little bit, him being Daniel Brunskill. But when that time is right for him and our team, we'll make that move. All right, pal. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> week jogging week. 15 right at what point do you think that move is going to happen because if it's not now um i don't know like how many sacks have to happen how many ole blocks does brunskill have to do and it feels like we're we're focusing too much on one or two blocks from brunskill which we do have a tendency to do but at the same time dude that's that's what that position is defined by the same same
1: same way with corners bro like
2: And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and hyper-volt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at HyperRice.com. That's the nature of the position is if you have those giant (laughs) boo-boos, you you just can't play the position, man. And it's – he's Daniel Brunskill's proven that He just – mistake, mistake, mistake. And it's one thing to give up, like, a pressure here and there, but when you can't get a hand on a backup defensive tackle and he's sacking the quarterback, like, that is an issue. and. Like Trey Lance isn't there to run away from it. So, again, this is a coaching issue. You know that's going to happen. Do something about it. Stop allowing it.
1: Yeah, that's a whole other thing too, man. And and that I would like to see with the whole Trey Lance thing is it would really benefit the offensive line, those of them that you plan on being here next season, um, to play with Trey Lance and play with under a, that style of quarterback that's going to scramble and move around. And you know that requires a huge adjustment from the offensive line and the way they go about things. And the fact that they can't just expect the quarterback to always be in the pocket or near it. Um, so I would like to see them get some experience with Trey Lance, but what the hell do I know? Um, let's move on to the defense. Don't want this to go on too long. Oh, um, well, you didn't get a chance to go back and watch the defense, but at the same time, you did. Uh, you know, you watched the game, it's period. You watched the game. I don't know what the hell to make of it. It, I I watched a lot of plays. James Conner looked like, you know. Eddie George. Right. He looked phenomenal. And this is pretty, he has scored a lot of touchdowns. But if you've been watching the Cardinals, it's been mostly goal line usage um, for the most part. I'm not like discounting him. But he just looked like a straight up stud against the 49ers. And so did Ido, Ido Benjamin, their backup. Chase Edmonds, who was the primary back, got hurt right in the beginning of the game and came off. So essentially the 49ers were facing two backup running backs, the backup quarterback, the backup wide receivers, and still got their ass chewed. So I don't know, man. What was your just overall take on the defense? And maybe instead of just breaking it down position by position, we'll just kind of get some highlights in there that we know (laughs) didn't
2: work out. But I I don't know, man. How do you get ran through by Colt McCoy? So just about the running game from the Cardinals real quick. Shannon said like they went back through, I was disappointed in the film. We have to play a lot better, blah, blah, blah. What stood out to me was he said that going back through all the runs and stuff, which is his favorite word, and, <laughs> and there's three particular that I think we gave up 69 yards on three runs. And then he talked about like the missed tackles and getting in the wrong, the wrong gap, which was true, very true. But in his mind – he said, if you take away those three runs, I he had 2.5 yards per carry on 35 carries. You can't do that. That's not <laughs> how this works. If you take away the good plays, they play bad. <laughs> right. You cannot do that, man, especially when those are explosive plays because how you offense in the NFL, you get explosive plays. Look at the 49ers. Look how they move the ball. They had those chunk plays. They just happen to fumble the ball. But. You can't say, uh, yeah, if you take away the good plays, they didn't play well at all. Nope, 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 nope. That's not what. It, that's not how you do it. Um, a lot of people were calling for D'Amico Ryan's head. One of the questions after the game was, like, do you still have confidence in D'Amico Ryan's? You can't blame D'Amico Ryan's for having to play Contavious Street at three technique, man. Like, that's not a D'Amico Ryan's issue. You cannot blame D'Amico Ryan's for having Tavon Wilson, Talanova Funga, Josh Norman. Draker Patrick. those are the players who are on the field. I love Aziz El Shire. I think he's played very well. That was not the case on Sunday. Um, he was getting ate up pretty good. And again, he was one of those guys who, you know, bounced in the wrong gap when they had a long touchdown. Or third and 18, he has a running back dead to rights, one on one. He has made that tackle during the past month when he's played. He missed. And there was nobody to be found on that side of the field after that miss. So the mistakes, man, like again, third and 18, there's multiple long third downs, the penalties, of course, the Josh Norman, whatever that was um, where he was arguing with seemingly everybody, even his teammates. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It was, it's just bad football. And, it's one thing to be bad. It's another thing to be bad and not physical. And that's what the 49ers were like. They were just getting pushed around. They didn't look like they were too interested in tackling. I don't, I don't know because I've seen them play some high-level football on that side of the ball this season. And for multiple possessions in a row, but whatever was on the field Sunday was not the 49ers defense that I have come accustomed to seeing.
1: Yeah, it's just tough to watch, dude. They just don't – they look physically overmatched in every way possible. And some of that has to do with injuries. You know, you're missing your, your top two safeties, both of them pretty respectable at their positions. Uh, You know, you're missing your, your pretty solid first-round defensive tackle that was supposed to replace DeForest Buckner in a way. Don't have him, which makes you adjust. And now Armstead's playing inside, and, you know, then you've got – contavious street coming out there playing way too many snaps and it it, obviously things aren't ideal but we have seen robert sala work his way through things that are less ideal than ideal too and that being said the thing that's annoying me that i keep seeing right now on social media is people acting like robert sala didn't have bad years (laughs) or or bad games or whatever you want to call it Right. Robert Sala had some bad years. I remember there's been plenty of people calling for the 49ers to move on from him, Um, but he got his legs under him and his defense got his legs under him. And I don't even think it's fair to assume that D'Amico Ryan's is running the same type of defense as, and making the same calls as Robert Sala. This, this team has to gel under him too. You can't just necessarily expect them to just be outstanding right out of the gate, especially when you consider all the injuries. So I'm not just, I'm just not as down on D'Amico Ryan's as a lot of people are. It's just, it's his first year as a defensive coordinator. He's risen up the ranks uh, pretty quick and, you know, as a former player and he's doing his thing and we'll, we'll see how it works out. I'm just not in any hurry to jump to conclusions there, especially when now head coach Robert Sala had plenty of bad games, plenty of bad years uh, at least two of them that I can remember, and things still manage to work their work its way out, you know. And that also requires talent. And the 49ers have a lot of good players yes, on injured infrig- injured reserve right now. D. Ford's still not out there. Jason Verrett, he ain't out there. Javon Kinlaw, he ain't out there. J- Quisky Tart, uh, Jimmy Ward, uh, Dre Greenlaw, who was you know obviously a fat, at the very least a factor, so. There's a lot of injuries out there right now and there it, that to me is not necessarily excuse. It just is so weird to see a professional football team that doesn't tackle.
2: Yes. Like, so how
1: I, how do you even at, at these these guys have been playing most of these guys have been playing some form of football for like 8 or 9 years straight. Maybe you know four years of high school, four years of college going on way before that middle school, elementary school. Uh, and then, you know, you got all the independent league summer stuff. Like these guys have been playing football for a long time. How are you not tackling?
2: One of my biggest issues are when people talk about, you know, so the 49ers are built around pass rush and that's how they win. Right. So they, they, they're not, they're probably not going to blitz you. Tamika Ryans will blitz you on passing downs on third down, but not on standard downs through nine weeks. The 49ers have produced the third fewest quarterback hits. So when you're wondering why they're, why are they struggling? They can't get after the quarterback. It's like Nick Bosa and everybody else. And even then Bosa is like few and far between why? Because people, they have like two, three guys blocking him on every play. Why wouldn't you and make somebody else beat you? It's the only two teams with, fewer quarterback hits than the 49ers are the Falcons and the Lions uh not where you want to be when we're talking about getting those teams suck yes they do (laughs) yes they do um they're predictable like that's the problem and when you don't get pressure those 30 year old cornerbacks that old slow secondary of yours is going to get exposed and that's exactly what is happening and It seemed like it did, like Colt McCoy wasn't exactly throwing the ball down the field, but I think the lack of team speed hurt them on Sunday too, just because I don't see these issues when Jimmy Ward is on the field. I think they really, really missed him. Um, Ward covers up so much of what they do on defense. He's able to play. Still underrated. Yeah, like he does so many different things for this team. And just the difference, we talked a little bit about it before the the game, uh, before the game, (laughs) before the podcast how Hufunga was just a little slow to pull the trigger. He was a little hesitant to come downhill. And when you don't do that, like when you're not aggressive and guys are fitting into the wrong gaps, everybody, everything's out of whack, and that's how those big plays happen. But um, it's a little bit of everything. And, again, I just have a really hard time of blaming what is going wrong on the defense side of the ball when multiple starters are missing. Like they they were really good at stopping and run. Why? Because Javon Kinlaw was in the game. <laughs> like, you have a right. very large human, and you cannot move him. You can't move DJ Jones. Fred Warner, Aziz Shire are able to run free, cleanly behind those guys and clean up running backs without having to worry about an offensive line on top of them. With Contavia Street in the game, that is not happening. With Kevin Givens in the game, like, those things are not happening, man. And it, it's pretty simple to me, like, why the 49ers defense is struggling. And it's because their starters aren't playing. You, what a
1: surprise, man! That's that's shocking. But sometimes the answer is that simple, dude. And it's, you know, another thing too. It's just, I don't know. It's it just is so weird to watch them run around the field. They don't look they don't look in it, and it's hard to blame them. The team's not doing well. It's hard to stay locked in when. You know, you're just getting your ass kicked on a weekly basis. You haven't won at Levi's Stadium since October. It's embarrassing. You're out there on a field with 70,000 fans, maybe not quite 70,000, watching you, and you, you just can't get it together as a group. And it's tough to stay up in an environment like that. And to me, it didn't take long for the 49ers to just look defeated against the Cardinals. Once it became clear that Colt McCoy and the rest of that crew were not fucking around, the defense lost hope quickly, it seemed like. and that doesn't mean it's everybody, but there were so many plays where it came down to one guy making the tackle and he missed it and they either got a huge chunk play or scored a touchdown. and there really weren't any but there really wasn't anybody else nearby. And you know that's half to do with guys being in the wrong place, guys not rallying into the ball, guys not even caring. I did see it in, you know, typically this isn't him. I saw one play where they ran to Nick Bosa's side. They got around him, and he was like two yards behind the running back, and he just stopped running. And we've seen plenty of plays where a defensive end like Nick Bosa continues to chase like that. The running back has to stop and cut, and then that defensive end uh, you know, smashes him or hits him in the way where the ball comes out. and I, I just saw that quick play. And was like, man, like, is that a summary of the way this defensive defense feels right now? Like, are they just defeated? Uh, And they know they kind of expect to get their ass kicked on a weekly basis. Or was it just because the Cardinals came out so quick? I don't know, man, but it just did not look like a defense or a team for that matter. That was just all there.
2: So you remember the play where Nick Bosa poked the ball out and forced a fumble?
1: Yeah, and then everybody, like, stood and watched it.
2: (laughs) The ball hit Warner in the face mask as he's on the ground with two hands on the ball, and it squirts free. The defense doesn't recover. The Cardinals
1: kick a field goal. Seemed like everybody, like, watched that happen, too. They're like, dude, the ball, and then
2: that was it. (laughs) That is how the 49ers season has gone, like – if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. In that scenario, just you you don't see that happen where a player has two hands on the ball and they can't recover it, man. Um, again, that would be that's tough to blame D'Amico Ryan's for when like their turnover luck has been really bad this year. But when you create a fumble like that in a red zone scenario, somebody has to get it. And they didn't.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, with the mistakes, with the penalties, the missed tackles, you know, uh, Aziz Alshire had a bad one where he didn't really miss the tackle, but he just completely shot the wrong gap. Um, Drake or Patrick got absolutely highlight reeled by the third string running back for a touchdown. Uh, Josh Norman's arguing with the head coach. Manuel Mosley's whiffing on a touchdown. Uh, You know, there were so many third-down plays where – They would hit the player they needed to stop. They would hit the ball carrier, and they would find a way free to convert. And and that's the type of stuff that, one, breaks the defense's back and loses you the football game. So it was just one of those weird things, man, where you're, like, watching all these big-ass professional athletes that I know the 49ers don't have their starters in there, but tackling is not a new concept. And these guys (sighs) just seem like they're not there. They're not there. And they don't – like. And I I don't ever want to question how these guys feel, but they just don't seem like. What's the best word I'm looking for here? Like, they're not playing like assholes. They're not. You know, they're not. They don't have that edge. They don't have that that chip. They're not like just messing people up and smacking them in the backfield, and or or at the very least punishing them for crossing the line of scrimmage. Like it just kind of seems like they're just trying to survive now. And if you're trying to survive against a backup quarterback and backup running backs and backup receivers, I know the Cardinals are a good team, but that's still what they face. And if you're trying to survive against that, then you are in for a long ride this season.
2: Yeah, they're lethargic, man. They're just kind of going through the motions. It seems like instead of feeding off the crowd and the energy, they are just – almost just getting annoyed, just getting frustrated and and they're not taking out on the opponent. I don't know what, I don't know what is going on, but there's a lack of something. There's a lack of a lot on defense and yeah, there's just, and not we can say the same
1: game. thing about the offense too. Sure, like this is sure. Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's his baby. And it is, and it's his, the quarterback that he wanted to go with that he chose over his third overall pick. And, You know, with the receivers that he drafted and the offensive linemen that they signed and drafted, this is 100% their roster now, and it is in the toilet. So, I'm, you know, I'm not really on the bandwagon of firing anybody right now. I think, especially with Trey Lance, you got to give some time to see where that goes. But at the same time, like, I think it's fair to wonder, like... Yeah, they have Trey Lance now, and I think his talent and, and what he's capable of doing is undeniable. It does the thought of Je- uh, start creeping in for Jed York that maybe he doesn't want to leave Trey Lance in the hands of Kyle Shanahan? You know, like, I think we're a little too we're, we're far from that, but it wouldn't surprise me if he laid down at night and thought about something like that. Wouldn't you want to find out? I would 100%, especially right. if, if Kyle Shanahan thought Trey Lance was his guy. But then you're like, you know, like, can is Kyle how consistently is Kyle Shanahan developing players? You know, what's, eh, who knows? But I don't want to get too far into that. That's, that's just too far right now. But anything else, man, you think we need to touch on before we roll out of here? Ob- you know, not the most positive podcast, but we're not going to spin it just for the sake of spinning it.
2: Yeah, you have to play well. You kind of have to earn um, positive feedback to get positive feedback, and, and that just hasn't happened, man. They, they beat the Bears great, lovely, <laughs> but when you lose to Colt McCoy at home and lose in the fashion that they did, like it's one thing, well, there's no excuses for losing that game, honestly, but um, it you couldn't have came out more flat. You couldn't have looked more Disinterested, I guess is the best way to put it because you would have thought the way that everything unfolded in the morning, like all the NFC teams, they needed to lost. Like they, if they would have won that game, they're in the seventh seed in the playoffs in the wild card. We're talking about maybe going on a run. We're talking about even if they lose to the Rams next week, like there's a great chance that this team still makes a playoff now. Like we probably shouldn't even talk about the P word. We, playoff. a lot. Yes, 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 yes. A lot has to go right in there for them to uh for them to even think about the playoffs, but well,
1: the big thing with me was the 49ers are so used to having shit not go their way, or not the 49ers are they are, but we are just used to you know the the dice routinely being cast against the 49ers with situations and injuries and stuff like that, and they had every to your point they had everything go their way with this week. You know, they, this was an incredibly important division game to go even with the Cardinals, uh, you know, to up their chances of, of moving up the division rankings, to better their chances at the playoffs. Arizona lost maybe three or four of their top six or seven players, and including the most important one and a quarterback that was probably getting some MVP considerations if he kind of turns it around. And they couldn't get it done, you know, like. Everything went their way this week for the 49ers. Sure, yeah, we know they're dealing with injuries, but everybody is. Obviously, look at the other team. Everything went the 49ers' way this week, and they still got their ass kicked. That is a sobering fact
2: to me. It has to be, right? Just because if that doesn't get you alive, like if a possible playoff berth doesn't get you up to play a football game, what will? And I saw somebody – I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Mike Silver Talk about how it's tough to get up when your quarterback is a sitting duck knowing he's not going to be there the next the next year. But still, the way that this team, the way that any coach thinks is you're thinking in the now. You want to make the playoffs. You want to win today. You want to build stack games. Like Fred Warner talked about it against after the game against the Bears where it's like one game at a time. So if it's a one-game-at-a-time approach. How do you come out looking like that? And I think that's you know the big question,
1: right? And that's when we, to me, we return back to Kyle Shanahan. Like right? you're the coach, and the the way that team plays on every given week is 100 your responsibility. So something's got to change. But we can go on, and on, on about this. Um, I think we pretty much have summed up the game pretty well. We'll be back on here later this week. I might, I might bug KP to jump back on here with me again because uh, he's a trooper and I know he's down. But we might be back on here later this week uh, just to kind of spin it forward a little bit. We'll kind of break down what the Rams did against the Titans if the 49ers have any sort of a shot at making something of it. And maybe what we'd like to see the 49ers do differently. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. KP, appreciate you, bro. Always, man appreciate you appreciate you i was looking at a shirt i saw a shirt in las vegas over the weekend that says appreciate you but it's all spelled out in one word like it's like it all's funny like phonetically like (laughs) a-p-r-e-a-c-h the Um, only
2: way to spell it
1: right and then it ends with C H A, which i love just appreciate you but uh yeah i appreciate you man i'm sure everybody will be stoked to to hear you on the pod um and like i said maybe we'll get after it a little later this week uh, again just to remind you the 49ers are not playing this weekend they are playing on next monday night on prime time against the los angeles rams so um i'll probably come back at you guys again on thursday uh we'll rec- i'll record thursday and then the pod will be to you guys on friday and uh We'll have that to listen to you before the game on Monday. But I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. Thank you for tuning in on a weekly basis. Make sure you guys are out there downloading, rating, subscribing, and commenting and all that good stuff. Um, but, hey, you all already know what it is. That's KP. I'm Rob. This is Striking and Gold. And for another episode, we're signing out.